Doing good, everybody? You guys excited to be in church today? Come on, you excited to be in church today? Come on, praise God. Hey, while you're uh, putting your hands together, can we welcome our online audience? Can we welcome Framingham? We love y'all so much. And uh, it's an honor to be able to be with you today. Thanks for coming to church. And uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Devin. Uh, for those that maybe are newer to our community, I just want to tell you, uh, thank you so much for coming out. We love you so much. And uh, here's kind of the layout of what today's going to look like, especially if you're newer, is I'm going to take the next 38 minutes and 29 seconds and, uh, and talk. Trust me, they have this big, massive clock to make sure I don't go over. But uh, we'll, we'll just kind of have uh, some conversation around a few scriptures that we're talking through. And uh, we're in this series right now called Kings and Queens. How many have been enjoying this series so far? And so today is the final day of our Kings and Queens sermon series. Everybody say, ah. Come on, I love your pity. Thank you so much. Uh, but you got PD coming back soon. Don't worry about it. Uh, so you have to deal with me again one more time. And uh, we got him coming back soon. Somebody literally applauded for that to get me out of here. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Framingham, I hope you're a little bit more honoring. We talked about honor last week. You should go watch that message. Anyways, um, so we're in this series right now called Kings and Queens. And uh, basically we're talking about this concept of the fact that you are royalty. And so because our God is not just the king, he is the king of kings. Our God is the king of the cosmos. That's my dad. What does that make me? That makes me royalty. Come on, everybody. And so week one, we talked about who we are. You guys remember this? We talked about having royal standards, having royal relationships, and you have a royal guard. I would encourage you to go back and watch that message. Week two, we talked about what we do. And kings and queens are known for honor. Amen, everybody? And so we're known for honor. we got to be people of honor because, watch this, where there is no honor, there is no miracles. And so honor is the soil in which miracles grow. How many uh, accepted the challenge last week and just took on three days of honor? Come on, anybody see some great things happen because of their honor? Uh, I, I just believe that when you honor, just miracles happen. It's just, it's just what is a necessity and a byproduct of honor. And this week, so we talked about how to, how, who we are. We talked about what we do. And this week, I want to talk about how to reign. It's going to be so good. How to reign. And I want to highlight a text in Psalm chapter 144. And this is, a, this is really a conversation between David and God. And David is praying this prayer, and this is the prayer, and uh, he's going to throw it up on the screen. And I believe I memorized it, so I'll try and do it from, scripture, from, uh, from memory. But the Bible says in Psalm 144, verse 12, the Passion Translation, it says it like this. Deliver us, that, it may, that we may be happy, or that our homes may be happy, and our sons will grow as strong and sturdy men. And our daughters will be graceful and beauty, gracefully beauty, and then we will be royally fashioned as for a palace. That's so powerful. Let's read it one more time. Our sons will grow as strong and sturdy men, and our daughters with graceful beauty, royally fashioned as for a palace. Today, I want to speak from this subject. If you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, if you're not taking notes, write this one down as well. Is this? I want to talk from the subject, raising royalty. Raising royalty. I've been teasing it for about two weeks, and I really believe that this is going to be a staple in our church. That come on, we're raising up royalty in this household. We're raising up royalty. But I want to ask a simple question, and this is what I want to answer through this talk and through this sermon is this, is how do you do so? And so David prayed this prayer, and I want to give you some handles on how to raise royalty. And it's been said of this generation, uh, especially the next generation, the younger generation, is that we are the fatherless generation. And uh, I just want to submit a thought to you guys today, which is this, is that although they may be a fatherless generation, they are, they are a powerful generation. 
And so what we need to do as sons and daughters of God or fathers and mothers or leaders and mentors is we need to learn how to raise up royalty. Amen, everybody? Let's get to work and let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity I have to be able to speak your word. I believe, Lord, that this sermon will turn into our story. And I believe that there's going to be transformation happening in this service and in this place. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would work, you would move, you would throw your weight around and do what you do. In Jesus' name. And come on, everybody, said. Come on, everybody said. I need you guys to help me preach today. Um, I have been in uh, student ministry and in youth ministry for about 15 years of my life now. So more than half of my life, I've been uh, leading and involved with young people. I've been on staff at this church for, as the youth pastor of this church for about six and a half years. Please, somebody, pray for me. I need help. And um, I was just taking a little trip down memory lane recently, and uh, just prepare yourself because I want to share a few stories of some of my student ministry experiences. Come on, how many are excited for that? And so uh, buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride, so hopefully you're ready and prepared for this. I remember day one of being involved in student ministry. My uncle was the youth pastor. Uh, it was, at the time, it was called Metro West Worship Center, and I walk into this place. It was called 911. How many know that name alone will tell you there's some problems up in that place? Walked into it first day, day one, and we, uh, this is how the service kind of experience went, is there's a sermon, there's a teaching, but before we did the uh, worship uh, portion of the service, is uh, there was a game, and we always called them battles and stuff like this, and they were super competitive, and they were buck wild. Okay, now, this is like literally 15, this is like 15, 14 years ago, and how many know cultures changed quite a bit since then, right? And so that requires a little context for one of us here next. But I remember the first game. First game I play, two of my buddies, Eric and Robbie, are teammates, and they're going against three other people. And the game was called Peanut Butter and Fluff Face-Off. And so we grab some peanut butter, we grab some fluff, and you shove it all over one person's face. So one person had peanut butter all over their face, and the other person had had fluff all over the other person's face. And the goal was you had to lick it off the other person's face, and whoever won, won. That was my first experience in youth ministry. How many know that's a crazy experience? Yeah. And so that's what our students do every single Wednesday night. So really, we'd love to have you guys come and bring. I'm just kidding. That's not what we do. We don't do that anymore. That's my first experience. And so I'm, I'm going back in memory lane. And I just think about all the crazy, nuts, wild things. Marcel's in the room. You know some of the crazy stuff that, that some of our students do. We will do anything. Here's a core value. We will do anything short of sin to reach people far from God. And that sometimes means doing some crazy, buck wild stuff. Come on, somebody. And there was this one time, uh, we did this thing called Nerf Night. And so we actually uh, had like 200 young people in this auditorium. We blacked out the whole place. We had the haze machines going nuts. And so there's smoke all over the room. We stacked up all the chairs, put black tarp all over the chairs. And so it looks like a bunch of barriers. We put on this, it's called Gregorian music. And so it's like halo music. It goes like, ah. And so we have red lights flashing, Gregorian music's in the background. The place is totally smoked out. And everybody comes in and brings these massive Nerf guns. Now, I just said, hey, bring a Nerf weapon. People didn't come in with these little water pistols. They came in with like bazookas, y'all, okay? So they walk in this place, and then we segregate into different teams, and we just battle. What happened about 15 minutes into our North uh, Wars battle is actually the uh, police got called because it looked like the entire building was on fire. This is a true story. And so because of all the haze, I mean, haze is going out of the building. People are driving by, and they're like, that building is completely on fire. What they didn't know is we're on fire for God. Come on, somebody. 
So, so the police come, the fire department comes, and we have 200 people that are escorted out of this building. We're all chilling outside. The police come up, and they go, who's the leader? 60 people all go, that guy right there. And I'm just looking. I'm like, oh, geez, this is not going to go well. This is not going to go well. He comes up. He goes, what is happening here? What is this place? And I know he's thinking that we completely fishbowled the entire joint. I know that's what he's thought. Bunch of young people smoking weed upstairs and just bang, just completely it's just, it's just, wow, this is the job that I have, everybody. It's great. Um, one of my favorite experiences ever in student ministry, uh, in student ministries, and especially young adult ministry, was happening about two years ago. Two years ago, we're in a five-weight experience, and uh, one of my best friends, he's actually on staff here. His name is DJ. And so DJ comes out to me. He goes, because uh, DJ was scheduled to be the MC for the night. And so he and his girlfriend at the time, uh, Jess, Jess DeMatos was her name, and uh, he goes, I am actually, uh, this is my plan, Dev. What do you think about this? I want to submit it to you. I'm actually thinking about proposing on 508 night. And I go, bro, let's do this. It was the greatest idea I've ever heard. And he goes, this is what I'm going to do. In the middle of me talking about small groups, I'm going to talk about how you find your best friends. You find friends for life in small groups. Come on, everybody shout out some small groups. You find some of your best friends in small groups. You find some awesome things in small groups. And this is what happened. He goes, I'm going to talk about that, and I'm going to transition. And he goes, I actually am going to find, I actually found the woman that I love and I want to spend the rest of my life with. And so that's how he, that's how he goes, I'm going to transition it that way. And I go, bro, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. Oh, my God. And I'm freaking out. You know how young people can be just so dramatic, especially when they're getting married. And so I actually brought the video. Do you guys want to see that video? Are you guys cool with that? I, it doesn't really sound like you want to see that video. You guys want to see that video? Okay, go ahead and cue that video, guys. This is what's happening. I'm going to give you some Me commentary as the video is going. I actually met for the first time. Uh, I'm MC, so nervous. Oh, I was MCing at the time, and that's the first time that I met her. And, uh, you know, the, we always joke because I called her by the wrong name after we met. Um, but it was, Come on, that's a bad move, everybody. But it was because um, she was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And uh, She's still got no idea. It's true. And, you know, it's been about a little over a year since then, and... Um, when we both met, you know, we weren't perfect. We had imperfections and blemishes, but um, we're still there to that day, and we just continue to keep growing. Uh, but the one thing that stayed constant with me and her is just our constant, genuine, sincere pursuit for God's heart. And um, I know that if I was with Jess for the rest of my life, Pain, there's the moment. I know that I would be able to do that. <laughs> That's your boy. That's me. I'm famous. Look at people going nuts. He didn't even ask it. She's not, they're not supposed to do that. Watch, DJ gets mad because people are going too wild. I, guys, quiet, quiet. <laughs> no, honestly, you guys need to hear this because no matter what season we've gone through so far, and I know no matter what season we go through, um, the relentless love that she's shown me, even when I make it hard, um, I know that she'll give me for the rest of my life, and I promise in front of all of you um, as a witness today that I'll do the same. Uh, to be a couple, a married couple that will pursue God no matter what. So I just want to say Jessica Lynn D'Amatos. Guys can cut it. Come on, how great was that, y'all? I just remembered 
DJ, he was like, he goes, Dev, would you hold the ring? And how many know, if you're like the ring bearer, that, that ring burns a hole in your pocket. Come on. And so I'm over here just going wild. I'm like, that's my boy. I was so hyped. Come on, how many just know that's a, that's a great video right there? He did a great job right there. And DJ couldn't help himself but to preach. And I love how funny it was where he was just like, y'all, shut up. I'm about to propose. I need you guys to focus right now. That was amazing. I, I could go through a litany of different stories of all the times and all my experiences uh, leading young people. And uh, to be honest, I just showed you a few of my highlights and a few amazing moments. But uh, there's been a whole lot of, honestly, lowlights and nightmares that happened as well. Because how many know, uh, you know, life is not always good all the time. And when life is bad, let me tell you, tell you something, God is still good. But uh, I just remember, you know, you give your heart to some of these people, especially doing ministry and, and being in such a deep relationship that uh, there was this young man just two weeks ago, I, I had to go to a rehabilitation center uh, because my buddy, uh, he's had tumor and he's had another tumor. Uh, and this is the second time he's going through some rehab and uh, just speech is slurred, couldn't really uh, talk very much. I've known him for about 15 years. And so he's just saying, he's just looking for hope. He's just looking for help. Because, uh, I mean, you know, life can still be rough sometimes. And so I just remember being in this rehab center, and uh, I felt the Lord speak to me just saying, you know, just love them, uh, give them hope, uh, give them joy, laugh with them. And even though I'm in this room with them and telling jokes and stuff, all I want to do is just to cry to watch one of my friends as he's suffering. I remember one of my uh, craziest experiences and one of the most tormenting experiences I've experienced was, uh, one of the first people to ever give their lives to Christ in one of my teachings, uh, he became like my big little brother. And so he was older than me, but he called me his pastor. And uh, it was such a moment where I'm preaching, and he's been three months sober, and uh, he gets into church. He just gets radically saved, on fire for God, changes his whole lifestyle to the point where two years later, he actually gets married to a girl he met in our church. They had an incredible uh, uh, marriage and relationship. And so we got to bless it. He got the call of God in his life, wanted to go to Bible college, uh, wanted to become a pastor. And he was on his way. And one day he relapsed and he met with some of his friends. And he actually did some drugs in the backseat of his car. He suffocated and his friends ended up throwing him on the front of the hospital door. And he died in front of the hospital doors because they couldn't go in because they were going to get in severe trouble. And I just remember these moments and uh, I see tons of times like this where this happens with young people. And uh, whether it's young people or the former generation or the next generation, how many know there's some problems in our society and people need leadership? They need leadership. And so that's what I believe our, our calling is, is to raise up royalty. And if there's one thing I've learned about this generation, it would be this. And maybe you can write this down in your notes if you want. Is this generation knows their name, but they still don't know who they are is there's a whole lot of people that they know their name, but they do not know their identity. They do not know their identity, certainly in Christ, and they take on labels that the world gives them. And that's why I think a series like this is so valuable and quintessential to talk about because you need to know who you are and who you are in Christ. And one of the facets of who you are in Christ is that you are royalty. And I want to preach it until you believe it. Because you need to know that this is not something, you're just not normal. You're not just common. The Bible calls you royal. And it's time to take that identity with you. And the Bible says it like this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, watch. I, I believe this is a slide right here. But you can't live right if you don't see yourself, if you see yourself wrong. Yeah, you can't live right if you don't see yourself correctly and if you see yourself wrong. And listen, God, and let me just prophetically declare this over you. God is going to take you to levels you never thought imaginable. Come on, amen, everybody. 
I'm talking to you too, Framingham. God is going to take you to levels you never thought imaginable. And how many know new levels require new responsibilities and face new challenges? And so you're going to have enough fights and enough battles and challenges by yourself. The last thing you need to be doing is fighting yourself because you don't know yourself. Is everybody hearing me today? And so this is why I think it's so valuable to know who you are and to be in a church community like this to declare identity over your life because you are royalty. The Bible actually says in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it talks about how through one man's trespasses, death reigned. But because of another man, Jesus, uh, and his death, now life reigns, and he called us to reign in this life. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And so I just want to declare to you, this is how we are supposed to reign. I want to give you three principles to embrace every day so that you can reign and rule in this life. And this is how we raise up royalty. Is Number one, this is elementary, but I want to teach a couple angles that you maybe have never seen before. Is through the principle of prayer. Somebody say prayer. I am shocked and can't believe how many people don't pray anymore. See, because there are two facets to a mature Christian. You have to have the word, but you also have to have the spirit. And so that's what takes maturity. Now, a praying person, watch this, is a powerful person. And I am, it is crazy to me to see how many people just don't even pray. And if you stopped complaining about the stuff you're complaining about and started praying about the stuff you need to pray about, maybe you would have nothing to complain about at all. Oh, I'm preaching real good even if nobody shot me down. Listen, when prayers go up, heaven's answers come down. I want you to know that. When you pray, I'm going to start preaching right now because I feel it, and it's the spirit of the J's that are on my feet. Come on. When you send prayers up, heaven comes down. This is why we got to start praying, y'all. And listen, I wrote this in my notes, and I think this is so powerful, and this should make you so grateful because I think God has been really good to us. What some people call coincidence, we call God's providence. Are you hearing me, everybody? Come on, you hearing me framing him? What some people call coincidence is actually called God's providence. See, it's not a coincidence that I have my mind and I have my sanity. It is not a coincidence that I have health. It is not a coincidence that I have the job that I have. It is not a coincidence that we are in a place like this, in the house of God, with anointing and the presence of God all over this place. It is not a coincidence God has been good to you and somebody has been praying for you. Come on, somebody's been praying for you. Come on, has God been good to anybody in this room? Why don't you give God a shout of praise in about three seconds to just say, I am so thankful and grateful that God has his providence over my life. It is not a coincidence. Somebody has been praying for your life. And most people think, oh, it's just chance. It's happenstance. No, that is God's goodness. Come on, God has been good to some of us in this room. And honestly, we don't deserve it, but thank God for praying mothers. Thank God for praying fathers. Thank God for praying people. Thank God for a church like this that will pray for you and pray over your life. Amen, everybody? The Bible says in James chapter 4, watch, James chapter 4, verse 2, it says, You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. And so there is a distinction that I want to make in a second, but hear me. Listen, and this is something that most people don't understand and don't know about God is that God will not budge into the affairs of man unless he is invited. Are you hearing me, everybody? So the question is asked, why? Why in the world would I have to pray if God sees the problems? Well, it's because God has given dominion to man, it talks about in Genesis. God has given dominion to man. And so unless we invite him in, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, if you want some homework, that Jesus is standing at the door knocking. So what does that tell us about Jesus? He's a gentleman. And he's not going to barge into your situation unless he is invited. 
Come on, what does prayer do? Prayer is just invitation from heaven. You're asking heaven to come into earth's reality. Come on, how many need some of heaven in your reality? This is a really good message. I just want to say that out loud. So that's what happens when you pray. And so watch. I just remember an invitation I got from one of my friends. His name is Bobby. And I think Bobby's going to be listening to this message later. I love you, bro. And uh, so he invites me. He goes, hey, Dev, you want to go to a Patriots game? And it's on Thursday night. You want to go? And I said, ah, I don't know if I can make it. It's Thursday night. It's tough. It's more. It's, it's kind of night I just hang out and chill. And uh, then he goes, I got the tickets already. It's free. I go, I'll be there. Let's do it. And uh, <laughs> go on Thursday night. Had a blast. Got to hang out with one of my great friends. And we just had a great time. And then uh, we ended up connecting with some of the uh, Patriots families. And they were just like, hey, do you guys want to come and have dinner with all the Pats? And I was just like, yes, please. Let's do that. Walk down, the, walk down the Patriots hallway. I'm just, you know, I'm just chilling with all the Pats fans and all the, all the Pats players. I see Devin McCourty walk by. I'm just like, yo, Dev, what's up, man? We share the same name, same anointing. Anyways, <laughs> see Julian Edelman walk by. I'm just like, Jules, what's up? You're my guy. And uh, he's like, who is this bum that's walking by here? I see, literally, I see Tom Brady walk by and I just go, oh. You know, <laughs> you know, we're in New England. Like, we don't, we don't worship men, but we honor them. And I was really honoring him. It was probably worship, but anyways. He's walking by, and I literally, I just, I'm like, I don't know why, but I heard angels singing. It was really weird to me. I see him walk by, and I'm just like, that's Tom Brady. He's got to sit down. You know what got to happen? Uh, because I got an invitation, I actually got to pray for a couple players. I actually got to minister to a couple people and their families, all because of an invitation. You know what happens when you invite God into your situation? Listen, listen, write this down in your notes. God becomes a problem for your problems. That's what happens when you pray is God becomes a problem for your problems. I think God's just up in heaven, and he's just like, he, can't, he doesn't know what to do with something. He's just like, just please, just invite me into this situation. He's salivating over the fact that you won't pray, and he's just like, I want to help. Just literally say, God, help, and watch heaven come to your way. That's what happens when you pray. Come on, everybody. And so here's what happens. Here's what happens when you pray. Listen, um, prayer doesn't change God. You know that, right? Prayer doesn't change God because God is immutable, is the word. M, not, and mutable, mutation, not changing. M, not changing. And so God doesn't change. God is the same God in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you. (laughs) Prayer changes you. And then here's another thing that prayer does is prayer changes things. Come on, how many can attest to the fact that our God is an answerer of prayers? So start praying. You have not because you ask not. And I remember saying this at a panel, but it's just a good reminder for everybody. God always answers prayer, always, without exception. But it just might not be the answer that you wanted, but it's the answer that you needed. And so God answers prayer through four different ways. He either says no. You guys remember this? He either says no, slow, grow, or go. He says no. Some things we're praying. Thank God we, that God hasn't answered some of our prayers that we pray. Come on. <laughs> Come on, you remember those prayers back in the day, fellas, where you're just like, yo, God, please help me to fall. Have, have this girl fall in love with me in Jesus' name. And the Lord, and God's just looking down like, she would ruin your whole life. Come on, thank God for some not answer prayers. And then he says slow, meaning if I gave you this in this time, this time would crush you. And so he says, you got to pump the brakes. Uh, I, this is an answer that I can give you in time, but not right now. And then there's grow. Is there are some things that simply you just cannot handle and you need to grow, uh, grow to be able to carry the prayer that you're praying. That makes sense? 
And then, listen, when your will, here, write this down in your notes. I, just, I, just, I think it's just helpful for you. Uh, when your will, so you need to write this down. God's will and man's wishes. So you have not because you ask not. And so, listen, we don't believe that God is a genie. Come on, everybody. We don't believe that God is a genie, but God is an answerer of prayers. And so you should pray about everything, everything, from small things to big things. But people just don't pray. You have not. Come on, everybody say it with me. You have not because you ask not. That was horrible rhythm, by the way. Come on, Framingham, do it with me. Everybody and Ashland, do it with me. You have not because you ask not. Come on, we got to start praying around here because prayerful people are powerful people. Amen, everybody? Here's the second principle you need to embrace. If you're going to reign and rule in life, would be this, is the principle of placement. Placement. And so watch, write this down in your notes, and I believe this is up on the screen. Is my welfare and my well-being is determined not just by who I am, but where I am. In other words, God has an environment for you to excel in. Are you hearing me, everybody? It's placement. It's the principle of placement. And so God created the earth. He created the oceans before he created the fish. He created an environment. He created Eden before he created man. And so God has a place for you. But here's a principle that I think is so valuable. And many people, especially those that don't embrace kingdom principles, don't get to receive benefits from. It's this. Is that you are called to, watch this, someone, not some place, not necessarily some job or some climate. This is just good teaching. You're called to someone. And so when you're making decisions, and this is what I find all too often, is people want to move off to Florida. They want to move off to L.A. I just got to get in better climate. Listen, there could be sun in your city, but misery in your heart because you don't have the purpose of God on your life. That was really good, by the way. And so most people... They decide where to live or where to go because of a salary. How many know you need to follow significance, not salary? You're not called to make a dollar. You're called to make a difference. And listen, you need covering. You're called to somebody. It's a kingdom principle. Watch. I'll show you through a few scriptures. Before I show you one of the scriptures, let me just share a story with you just to hope you, just so it can come alive. Um, I remember hearing the story about two, uh, a father and a son, and their goal is to uh, find and to uh, kill a 12-point buck. And so I'm sorry for all the vegetarians in the room. I'm sorry about this illustration. But they're trying to uh, find this 12-point uh, buck, and so they go off hunting. Monday, they go out, wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, try and find this buck, can't find it anywhere. Tuesday, same thing, can't find it anywhere. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday rolls around, they're trying one more time, and what happens uh, but they're literally outside. They're fully discouraged. They're looking outside the window, sipping on their coffee, about to go off one more time to just try and find this 12-point buck. And what do they see when they look out their backyard window, but they find this 12-point buck? So watch. He turns to his son, and he goes, son, the thing that we were looking for was in our backyard the entire time. Maybe the thing that you're looking for is not found in a different city. It's not found in a different job. It's not found in another salary. It's not found in another relationship. Maybe, just maybe, it's in your backyard this entire time. And so what if purpose is right where you are? All you just need to do is be faithful with where you are, sow seed into where you are, and be undercover where you are. Amen, everybody? So watch. I'll show you a few scriptures just to prove it. Watch this. I believe this is in Matthew. It says this, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
How many know sheep need a shepherd? How many know you need a shepherd? How many know you need a pastor? You need a mentor. You need spiritual covering. And if there's one thing that I have learned to embrace in my life is this word submission. And I know this word submission is a curse word in our culture. But watch, all sheep need a shepherd. All all submission is is to say, I give you full authority over my life because I trust you to protect me. That's what submission is, is sub, being under their mission. And so I, I wrote this down in my notes. If you're not undercover, you will be under attack. If you're not undercover, trust me, you will be under attack. And so everybody needs a shepherd. Here's another scripture in uh, Hebrews chapter 13. It says this, obey those who rule over you. Obedience, watch this. Obedience is talking about action. Submissive or being submitted is talking about attitude. Because how many know, especially the parents in the room, you can give a command and your kids can be obedient, but they don't have the attitude of submission. And so they can be like, I'll do what you say, but I don't want to do it. That's not, that's not submission. That's obedience. So Submission speaks of attitude. This talks about action. For watch, they watch out for your souls. Do you have somebody watching out for your soul? Do you have a leader? Do you have a mentor? Do you have a shepherd watching out for your soul? Listen, I take this very seriously, very seriously. As a pastor, and some people call me their pastor, I have a few people that call me literally their spiritual dad. And I feel a a huge responsibility. I am a caretaker for their soul. And the Bible says, especially to pastors, that you will give an account for the souls that you were responsible for. It's a big deal. Do you have somebody that watches out for your soul? Because, listen, even a doctor needs a doctor. Are you hearing me, everybody? Even a doctor needs a doctor. And the best doctors can still catch the worst sicknesses. And so this is what I think a lot of times people don't do is they don't submit under somebody because they're all high and mighty. Pride will get you killed. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying necessarily physically, although it could be. But I'm saying more spiritually. You need to be under submission in the, in the principle of placement. Amen, everybody? Um, so watch. Elisha had Elijah, right? Timothy had Paul. Peter had Jesus. Devin has Derek. Like, I am submitted under authority. That is the reason you can have authority. It's the principle of submission. Um, I was watching National Geographic, eight minutes to go. Holy smokes, this has gone by fast. Is this helping anybody? So I was watching this uh, National Geographic movie, and uh, it was talking about, you know, the anatomy of snakes. And uh, snakes actually don't have ears. They just have these forked tongues, and they just, (laughs) I I have a tendency to just, you know, just is weird. But they have these forked tongues, and they just, that's how they navigate. That's how they maneuver around. And so listen, this is what I felt like God was speaking to me in the moment. You're never more like a snake than when you don't listen because you don't have ears to listen. Be careful when you're a person that doesn't listen to authority, that doesn't have covering, or doesn't have people speaking into your life or correcting you when you need correction. Amen, everybody? Is this helping anybody? So listen, if you want to reign and rule, you need to embrace the principle of placement. The principle of placement. There's one more uh, scripture in Romans chapter 13. It says this. It says, let every soul, come on, somebody say every soul. Let every soul be subject to governing authorities. Every soul be subject to governing authorities. Here's the third and final principle, and I'll call it a day, and I want to pray for you at the end, and we're going to worship, is this, is the principle of prophecy. Principle of prophecy. I love this word, and oftentimes in church settings, this word can be manipulated or seen as negative, because some people are kind of chaotic with it. Listen, um, how do I say this? Uh, it is so dangerous when a Christian, especially a Christian, doesn't understand the power of their words. 
It's so dangerous. And listen, to go to, the new, uh, to go to a new level, you need a new language. If you want to go to a new level, you need a new language. And so God wants to teach us and wants to teach uh, us through this message on how to properly use your language and your words well. Because how many know there's power of life and death in the tongue? Come on, there's power of life and death in the tongue. And so we need to use our words wisely. Use our words wisely. Watch, watch a couple of scriptures that uh, states this. In, uh, I believe it's in Psalm chapter 81, verse 10. It says this. Open your mouth with a mighty decree. Watch, because, because when, uh, when you speak, uh, you will see what you say. You will see what you say. I will fulfill it now. You'll see. See, because kings, kings, words, uh, kings and queens' words are always called. They're not words. They're decrees. And so when you are a king and a queen and you have this identity, what you say you will see because what you say is a decree. You are either training, watch this, angels or demons with your words. Ah, oh, so much in that. And the words that you speak, so shall it be. What if you took inventory of your words and you either train your life, you either train, uh, you speak life or you speak death over your situation. The words that you speak, somebody say that, the words that I speak, so shall it be. That will change your life right there. If you learn how to prophesy properly, you got to learn how to speak to your situation. What is prophecy? Prophecy is not speaking about something. Prophecy is speaking to something. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, the prophet Ezekiel, he sees these dry bones. He speaks to the dry bones and they live again. What if you started just speaking to your body? Your body is not functioning properly. I just declare in Jesus' name that my, my leg will come back to life and will come back to full health and healing again. Start speaking to things. See, because gossip is speaking about something. Prophecy is speaking to something. It's the power of prophecy. There's, there's another scripture. Uh, throw up the next one, guys. It's Proverbs chapter 11, 11. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. So if the mouth of the wicked can destroy a city, what can the mouth of the righteous do? Come on, it's the power of your word. Start speaking life into your situation. Start speaking blessing into your situation. Here's a few things I wrote down. Throw up the, throw up the list of four. Stop speaking, I'm broke. Come on, you know how many young people that I lead are just talking about and complaining about all the broken, all, all the, uh, how they're broke and they don't have finances? Stop speaking brokenness into your situation. Just start saying, come on, somebody shout this out loud. And I want you to shout it out loud too, Framingham. I'm blessed. Come on, somebody shout, I'm blessed. Start putting that into your vocabulary, into your inventory. I'm not broke. I'm blessed. God has blessed me abundantly. Start speaking. Stop speaking sickness. Come on, this is what we do a lot of times. This is my anxiety. This is my depression. Uh, uh, this is, I, I have, this is my cancer. It is not your cancer. It is going to be evicted, and it is not here to stay. It is a temporary resident, and that thing has to go in Jesus' name. So start speaking healing. Come on, somebody say, I'm healed. Stop speaking lack. So many of us, we're just like, I don't have enough. Listen, if, if God didn't do a single thing for you again, you have enough. And you have enough because his name is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. Jesus is my fulfillment. Jesus is my source. Jesus is enough. I don't have lack. I got abundance. And I got abundance in excess. Come on, somebody say, I have abundance. I don't have lack. I have abundance. And here's the last one I wrote. Stop speaking death and start speaking life. I know your kids might be a little jacked up right now. Start speaking to the king and the queen on the inside of them. And I believe, listen, I believe that you will see what you say. And what you say 
listen, is so powerful. Start speaking to it. You can't live, write this down, you can't live a good life with bad declarations. You can't live a good life with bad declarations. You can't. And so you need to learn the principle of prophecy. And I read the scripture earlier in Psalm chapter 144, and this is one I want to pray and prophesy over you in both of our campuses. Is Psalm 144. And I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes because I want to I declare this over you. And this is a holy moment. And so I need you to take it as that. And so throw up the scripture there, guys. Psalm 144, verse 12. Again, it says, Deliver us, then our homes will be happy. Our sons will grow as strong and sturdy men. Our daughters with graceful beauty, royally fashioned as for a palace. Here's what I want to declare over your life. Is just receive this prayer, okay? Is This is how you prophesy. Prophecy 101. You get a word from the word. Then you say it until you believe it, and you say it until you see it. So prophecy 101, get a word from the word. Then you say it until you believe it, and then you say it until you see it, and you will see these things. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, with everybody under the sound of my voice in both Ashland and Framingham and those watching online, those watching on YouTube or even podcasts, I declare that there, our sons and our daughters will be strong. They will be strong. And I speak to their body, to their mind, and to their spirit. I prophesy in Jesus' name that you will have a strong mind, that you will have a healthy body, that your spirit will be strengthened, and you will have the best year of your life because it will be the best year of your life spiritually in Jesus' name. I declare and prophesy over our whole church family that you will be sturdy, that there will be longevity, there will be wisdom, there will be health, there will be favor over their life. I declare and I prophesy over our church family, that they will be gracefully beautiful, that we will be life-giving, we will be tender-hearted, we will be sweet-natured, and that the life that we live, we will not be jaded by it, but I declare that a heart of stone will turn to a heart of flesh in Jesus' name, and we will have tender hearts again, loving people again, sweet-natured again, peaceable, loving again in Jesus' name. And Father, I finally ask and request, and I declare and prophesy over them that they will be royally fashioned. I don't see any other way we could end this series without praying this prayer, is that they will be royally fashioned, that they put on the cloak of a king, they put on the cloak of a queen, and that they will be crowned, not to be blessed, but to be a blessing. And I declare these things in Jesus' name over our whole church family. And come on, everybody in here said a good big amen and amen. amen. Come on, do you receive that today? Do you receive that, Framingham? Come on. Now, just one more time, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you, and I want to ask you, especially if you're in this room, is do you know the king of kings? Is the Bible calls you a king or a queen, but that's only subject for people who know Jesus and who have accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and become uh, an inheritor of salvation. And so there was a man named Jesus who lived a perfect and sinless life, died a sinner's death, and now I get to take my Savior's life. He was murdered on the cross without a cause, hung high and spread wide, dripped of every ounce of blood that he had, and he died for you and for me. He could have easily gotten up off that cross, but it was his love, love for you that kept him on that thing. And then three days later, he resurrected from the grave, uh, indicating he was exactly who he said he was, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one that was prophesied about years, thousands of years earlier, and now prophecy comes to fulfillment. It was Jesus. 
and he died for your sins. And it's time to give your life to Christ today and say, through, by grace, through faith, I receive this gift of salvation and I put my faith in him that he is going to be my Lord and my Savior. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to shoot your hand up and say, that's me. On three, I want you to shoot your hand up and say, boldly, I need to give my life to Jesus. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today is your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute. Three, if that's you, shoot your hand up and say, I want to give my life to Christ. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you. That is amazing. Is there anybody else? Amen and amen.